Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Rebs took an important three points at home with a 1-0 victory over D.C. United and marked the fourth consecutive clean sheet for the Rebs. Uh, the first time they've accomplished that since 2013 when Bobby Shuttleworth did it. Uh, and it also marked the first time the Revolution have won back-to-back games this season, uh, in Major League Soccer, that is. So, very important three points for the Revolution. Carlos Hill provided the only goal, uh, which was the difference maker today, and Noel Buck. Also made an impressive debut off the bench, and Christian McCoon, one of the team's midseason acquisitions, also came in and made his de- team debut uh, on Saturday night. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Sean, how are you? I'm good. I, I feel like a lot of people were probably sweating this one out when they saw Omar Gonzalez coming out at the, at the end, but this is another two back-to-back games from the Revolution where you were wondering how they were going to pull off three points given the lineup that was out there, and they, they came through again. Mm-hmm. And Sean, as is tradition, we typically start with giving you the floor for 20 seconds to talk about Tottenham. Tottenham plays Sunday morning. Uh, we're recording this Saturday night post game. Do you want to take the this 20 seconds to make some jokes about Manchester United and how bad they are? Uh, well, there was some stat about like they'd never lost to Brentford before, or this was the, the, some some ridiculously long period where they hadn't lost to Brentford before. It's it's shockingly bad uh, this result, and I think they miss Chris Armas. I think um, Matt Doyle already made that joke, but I think I think they're missing Chris Armas. Well, uh, it couldn't have happened to a better team, I say. So uh, enough about the Premier League. Sean, let's talk about this thrilling one nothing game. Um, of all the games I've ever watched, this was certainly one of them. one nothing for the Revs. I think this is kind of the game that, looking at their remaining schedule, this was, I'll say, the easiest or the one you expect. But the Revs coming into this game with a lot of injuries. Bowen Barrero still out. Vrioni, who was available off the bench last week in Orlando, not available today. Uh, Polster is out with illness. I think we all know what that means post 2020. Uh, so who, who knows if he will be cleared for uh, the rest of this week. Uh, and then also John Bell uh, is still recovering as well. So five players injured, four of them starters, certainly a very shorthanded team. They had six defenders off of the bench, but they still managed to come away with a, I'd say a commanding one, nothing win. Uh, I think that scoreline doesn't do it justice on on uh, how much the Rebs were the better team today. So, uh, Sean, what was your key takeaway today? Yeah, I mean, you talked about all the injuries, but I think the, the the part of the defense or the part of the team that hasn't been injured recently has been the defense, and they've been playing so much better. But two guys in particular I wanted to highlight is Dewan Jones and Brandon Bay. We talked a bit about it last week. Uh, they had a really good game in Orlando, and you know, just in general, I think there's been some chatter that maybe they haven't been performing up to the levels that they'd performed in previous seasons. Um, I mean, there's been more pressure on them to perform with all the injuries and to create more chances. Um, and I, you know, I do think there's been some games where maybe we haven't seen the best out of them. But the past two games in particular, I think they've been really, really good and key and key. Uh, players for the revolution success Brandon by had four key passes in this game Dewan Jones had five key passes in those game in this game that's kind of the, the numbers that you expect out of a guy like Carlos Hill um, and Carlos Hill should not only had one key pass in this game as he I think was a, a bit more focused on his shot and less focused on passing than we usually see from him um, which is interesting I'm sure we're going to talk about later but uh, I just really wanted to highlight the play of Brandon by and Dewan Jones on both sides of the ball I think they've been smarter about when to make runs forward and they've been more effective when they have made runs forward 
Um, and at the same time, the lineup the Revolution has played in these games has kind of given them the freedom to go forward more, knowing there's kind of a more of a defensive presence in the midfield and the Revs are lined up a bit more defensively and they can have that coverage that they don't necessarily get when the Revs earlier in the year were kind of playing that 4-4-2 diamond that left the defense really exposed. So um, the two of them have really needed to step up with all the offensive injuries and on both sides of the ball, I think they've done that. Uh, it's just fantastic numbers. You know, seeing nine key passes from your fullback in a game is, is pretty unheard of. Yeah, Brandon By, I think especially, had a very good game. Dewan Jones had a, a great game as well. Um, but I just wanted to highlight Brandon By for a minute. 83% pass accuracy. Um, you mentioned his passing stats there. He had one assist, uh, the, the, the nice little cutback to Carla's heel, which led to the only goal in the game, but also had a great pass to Tommy McNamara in the closing minutes, which I think if Tommy McNamara is a little bit fresher or a little bit faster, uh, and it's not a very tired Tommy McNamara in the 83rd minute of the game, uh, that is easily buried. Um, I believe Brad Feldman said that Brandon By has tied the team record for assists by a defender. He's tying Jay Heaps and Chris Tierney. He has six uh, on the season. So um, yeah, He's having a really good season. This is probably his best offensive season, and he's still doing work on the defensive side. Uh, two for two on tackles tonight, four for four on ground duels, six for six in aerial duels. Um, he's very strong in the air. He's improved as a defender year over year overall as well. Um, we, back in the day, a couple seasons ago, probably last season as well, we talked about the lack of offensive ability from Brandon By. And those questions have kind of gone away. I, literally, the questions to our podcast have gone away. Uh, but I, I, I don't... I can't remember the last time anyone questioned Brandon By's offensive ability or crossing ability. Uh, and defensively, as I say, I, I think he's just been really, really solid. And we just don't talk about how good Brandon By is enough. So I uh, just wanted to give Brandon By some love on this podcast because I thought he was phenomenal tonight. And uh, I think he's quietly putting in a really, really good season. Yeah, and, and I think I had some fear of that with, you know, By and Jones – uh, with the Revs losing Adam Buxa, Brian Jones' crossing ability wouldn't go to as, as good use. And, you know, Rioni hasn't uh, had many minutes yet. He was out this game. Uh, but they're still finding ways to contribute. Four key passes for By, five key passes for Jawan Jones. And, you know, By should have had another assist probably. You, you mentioned the McNamara chance. He should have probably had an assist on, on Boateng, too, um, as well. So he, he could have had a, a, a hat trick of assists, if not more, in this game. Um, and, you know, the Revs need offense to come from somewhere. And the, the fullbacks have really stepped up. Uh, because, you know, there has been a focus on Carly's heel. I think in this game, you know, DC at times it seemed like had five or six guys around him. The Orlando game, you know, Orlando did a lot to, to kind of quiet him down. Um, obviously, he got free for that goal. And, you know, we're going to talk about DC more later and how bad they are. Um, because even with five or six guys around Carly's heel, he still kept getting open. But, um, you know, there's opportunities for those guys to step up and, and attack because they're fullbacks. And there's a lot of other attacking talent on the revs that needs to be focused on Carly's in particular. And, They've really been effective over the past couple games, you know, even more so than I think they were the rest of the season. Assist leaders for defenders right now. Kai Wagner in Philadelphia has 11. He's leading the pack. Uh, Julian Gressel has seven for DC slash Vancouver. Then third place is Brandon By at six. Uh, and then there are five players with five, and one of them is Brandon By. So you're getting very, very good production uh, from the fullback position. The fact that you have two top 10 uh, fullbacks in the assist stat. Uh, that's, that's 
pretty impressive overall. Uh, and I'm pulling up key passes. I'm going to stall here for a little bit. La 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 la. Brandon By is tied for third in key passes with 37. Dewan Jones has 27, uh, and he's in fifth. So again, two fullbacks that are top five in key passes as well. So um, really phenomenal seasons for both of them. Uh, my key takeaway: I'm gonna kind of go the other side here, which is DC's really bad. Uh, not to take away from the Revolution's win today, um, but I'm really shocked at how bad DC United is. Uh, Romo is not a good goalkeeper. Uh, I'm surprised that he is still being run out there. Um, not that, you know, he was tested too much or he could have done much on that goal, but uh, there were some shaky moments from him today. And just coming into this game, I've seen enough highlights of him that I was pretty excited to see him in the goal instead of uh, Ochoa. Um I, I think this is a team that Wayne Rooney is still trying to figure out. And I think we saw a lot of kind of dysfunction. Charlie Davies pointed out that Ola Kamara is playing way, way, way too much in the midfield and not up top. And then Ola Kamara was oddly taken out when down a goal, which I thought was very interesting as well. Um, DC gave up a lot of space down the wings, could not seem to control Ima Botang or Dewan Jones on that left flank. Didn't really make any sort of adjustments. Um, they did have some really, really good chances, I thought, and Petrovic was tested. Uh, certainly that blast in the first half uh, that Petrovic kind of tipped over the bar. And then late in the game when Petrovic kind of tipped the ball uh, wide with that left-hand save. Um, those are the two big chances that come to mind in my mind. Uh, but outside of that, they seem very, very sloppy in possession and attacking third. Um, so even with the reduced revs lineup, it was really good to see them go out, control this game, take care of business. Probably should have been more than one, nothing. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I, I saw DC United play in here when they were here in Philadelphia and they lost seven, nothing. Uh, and I still kind of came out of this game a little surprised at how bad DC United is. Uh, I, I guess I thought Wayne Rooney was kind of turning this around, but um, yeah, there wasn't a ton of quality I saw from them and I'm glad the revolution took care of business uh, and, and the veteran leaders on this team uh, really kind of carried the day. Yeah, and DC is spending a fortune to bring Christian Benteke in, and and I, I think this season's already done. I, I don't see how he can can save the season. Um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I knew DC was bad, but I guess I just didn't know just how bad defensively they looked atrocious. And the Revolution were able to do just about anything they wanted to against that defense, which is why they should have scored more goals than they did, even with the kind of the weakened offensive lineup. Um, but no, I completely agree. This was a kind of a shockingly bad performance from DC. Uh, questionable substitutions, as you pointed out. Um, and, you know, when I saw Wayne Rooney taking over his coach, when I saw Christian Benteke coming in to, to join the team, I thought, you know, maybe this is a team that could turn things around and make a run. I am taking that back. I don't think there's any chance that this DC team, maybe I'll end up on one of those uh, cursed revs or somewhere else. I don't know if I can do a cursed revs take for talking about DC, but uh, I, I don't think there's any chance this DC United team can make a run at a playoff spot based on what I saw today. No, no. I think some people kind of thought there might be a Wayne Rooney effect, and they beat, I think, Orlando uh, a few weeks ago, and they tied, what, Red Bulls? Uh, and so I think some people want to be like, oh, DC United, you know, got to keep an eye on them. But mathematically, it's already against them, and there are just so many holes on this team. Um, just looking at this game specifically, the Revs in expected goals, 2.29 to 0 0.72. Again, I think that's Kind of low for both teams, all things considered. Just thinking at the big chances the Revs had here. Footmob says they have five. The Revs had five big chances, uh, and they missed all of them. Uh, just thinking back, Carlos Hill should have had that. Uh, re really, the one that hit off the post, uh, he just didn't direct it perfectly. He had a wide open net that was missed. That should have put the game away. Um, Justin Rennix uh, had a, a wide open header that he didn't get enough on. He also had a back heel that was wide. 
Um, Carlos Hill also. What was the other chance Carlos Hill missed on? Um, I'm, I'm trying oh, to. That, well, the turnover where he had like the one on one where he got around the defender and didn't, uh, for whatever reason, he could have chipped the keeper from from distance and had kind of an open net, but it dribbled instead and lost it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that was he was expecting contact, but um, yeah, that was a huge missed opportunity, and that was strictly off of DC United, you know playing the ball back and trying to play conservative and you know one person gets in the way of a back pass and suddenly the Rebs have a, a, a one-on-one breakaway so um yeah there was a lot of just poor play from DC United today and I think they're very very lucky that this was only a one nothing game Wayne Rooney has a lot of work to do down there he certainly does <laughs> and it's it, yeah it was a kind of a shocking performance from them and again I think very lucky for them and unlucky for the revolution that it wasn't a bigger scoreline than it was Sean, uh, let's get to some player performances here. Uh, let, give me one player that you thought did pretty well today. Yeah, I mean, I, I already mentioned the fullback, so I'm not gonna not gonna pick on them again because I think they had a great game. Um, Tommy McNamara, I wanted to call out again as a, a really strong performer in this one. 97.6% passing accuracy. He was asked to play a much more defensive role um, in this game than he had been against Orlando, and really took to it. He had four tackles, which is, you know, two times as many as anyone else on the revolution had. Um, I mentioned the great passing, um, accuracy from him. He had a key pass as well. He had, you know, possibly could have scored. I think that's maybe the one knock on him in this one, but, um, just overall, I thought he played really, really well. And even, you know, in long balls, he was six for seven. So, um, he managed wherever he's put on the field, he's managed to have an impact. And, you know, we've heard people complaining about him being in the starting lineup a lot over this year, but, um, he's really performed over the past several weeks and, you know, whether or not he should be starting week in and week out, he's getting the job done for the revs in a lot of different positions lately. And has been a key part for the revs with all the injuries they have. Yeah. Tommy McNamara, a really good game and also set up that nice play, uh, set up the goal on a nice chip pass to, uh, Brandon by again, I think if he's a little bit fresher, he also buries that shot to kind of put the uh, game away, uh, I think, in the 83rd minute. But, um, yeah, some really good moments here from T-Mac. I think his veteran leadership is really important. 98% pass accuracy today. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty solid game for him overall. And, you know, I, I think he's taken a lot of criticism of someone that doesn't really fit in. Last week we saw him kind of playing a winger role. This week with Polster out, he moves back into the central midfield. Uh, and I thought he's been great the last two weeks. Uh, and I think he's showing off why he's so valuable to this team. Uh, I want to talk about Ima Botang. I know that we've said on this show before that we like Ima Botang more off the bench, running at tired legs, as opposed to being a starter and playing the majority of this game. And this game really counters that point. I thought Ima Botang was phenomenal today. I think it's criminal he didn't get an assist. Uh, I already mentioned the Justin Reddick's header, which he didn't get enough uh, enough power behind. Uh, but that was a perfectly placed cross from what I could see. He also set up that Justin Reddick's back heel, which I guess it was a little bit behind Reddick's, and he didn't really know how to play it. Uh, but, you know, Botang showed off his speed and really created that chance. Um, he had one play where he got around a defender, and the ball's looking like it's going out for a corner. He saves it and then sends a dangerous ball uh, into the box. He, he also had a play where he crossed it for Newell Buck, which I think Buck was, again, it was a little bit behind him. Maybe Buck got there a little bit too early, uh, but Buck couldn't really put that one on frame. But again, it just seemed like DC United really struggled guarding that left flank. And Dwan Jones also had a lot of good moments where he was able to create space and get behind the defense. But Ima Botang, um, I thought he certainly showed off today. And again, shocked he did not get an assist in this game. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, Boateng, again, when you see him in the starting lineup, you you know, you wonder if he's going to be as effective because I think at times when he has, he hasn't been. Uh, but this game, as you point out, he really, he really was effective. Three key passes. Um, you know, I'm lucky not to have an assist, as you said. And, you know, he didn't hurt the Revs defensively either. You know, it, it, the, the knock on him is that he might be a little bit of a defensive liability. But I didn't, I, you know, there weren't any times in this game where I thought Ima Boateng hurt them defensively. So, um, it was nice to see him get out and start. And I think when you see him perform like this, you wonder why, again, why you know Bruce typically only plays him in the last 20 minutes of games because he's clearly capable of playing a bit more than that. Sean, give me someone that didn't impress you today. Uh, Damian Rivera. I think he's somebody that you know we've wanted to see more of. And I, I wanted to see him play against Orlando. So I was happy to see him get into the starting lineup in this game. Um, you know, his opportunities have kind of been few and far between, but he really did not take advantage of this one. Uh, only 19 touches in 62 minutes. And I think he just really failed to have an impact uh, on this. And, you know, again, the revolution needed people to take pressure off Carly's heel and create chances. And um, he was mostly a non-factor. Uh, again, if, you know, play, playing an hour with 16 touches isn't great. 13 passes, um, you know, 84% passing accuracy isn't awful. But again, it's just on 13 passes. Um, he did have one key pass. Um, but really just the eye test, he, he wasn't involved enough and the revolution needed more out of him. And, you know, he hasn't had many opportunities and he needs to take them when he gets them. And this was definitely a, a missed opportunity from him. Um, among revolution starters, he had the second worst two scored rating uh, as a 6.2 after Justin Reddick 6.04. I believe when I checked on, on foot mob earlier, he was the second lowest rated there as well. Um, just missed opportunity for him to earn more minutes going forward. Yeah. And, I agree with you too. I want to see more of Damian Rivera and see what we have in him. Cause he showed a lot of promise. I thought when we saw him earlier in the season, uh, but there's not a lot of things I noted from him. Uh, there are two plays I kind of noted in the first half. Carlos Hill sent uh, Damian Rivera down the left side and kind of crossed it back through the center. Um, and really there was just nothing on the cross. It was a very weak effort um, that was cleared out pretty easily. It doesn't even come across as a cross on, on foot mob. I, I don't see any marking of a cross. So maybe, maybe they just ruled it as a, a poor pass or something like that, but um, that was not a great moment. There was another play, too, where Dewan Jones is on the left side. He centers the ball to Damian Rivera, and Dewan Jones, I think, is expecting a 1-2 play where he's streaking into the box, um, and Rivera essentially turns back and kind of plays the ball around the edge of the box, and it leads to a shot where Carlos Hill kind of just blasts it into a defender. Um, so I think that was a play that Rivera just kind of missed the awareness of what Dewan Jones wanted when he was sending him that ball. Outside of that, as you say, yeah, not a whole lot of impact. Um, Damien Rivera, I think his preferred position is kind of central midfield, which I think is Esmir's uh, central attacking midfield, which is Esmir's position. So I think right now the Revs are trying to see how he is as a winger, and I know he started out uh, on the graphics uh, at the start of the game. He started out on the right. He moved over to the left at a few points, um, and it certainly seemed like the left side was a lot more efficient and impactful uh, when Ima Botang was over there. Um, as opposed to when Rivera was over there. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed uh, and let down that we didn't get to see many Damian Rivera highlights in this game. Um, I, I thought it was a very underwhelming performance. Yeah, not, not much more to say on that one. He finished the game with .02 expected assists and .05 expected goals. So, uh, offensively, very little impact. Um, I, I have kind of two I want to just touch on. And we, we've talked about these guys at length. I think last week we talked about them both at length, too. Uh, first, Wilford Captoom, I just don't see it. Um, he's good for a couple just really bad plays a game. Uh, first half, he gets kind of crossed up. That leads to that long shot that you know requires a diving save by Petrovic. Um, he also is 
very late on certain balls and is fouling players left and right. And for some reason, the referee did not give him a yellow card. I thought he was going to get a yellow for persistent fouling um, or maybe for pretending like he, you know, is shocked to get the foul call when he's clearly a step too late uh, to certain places. Um, I don't think he's very good defensively. He seems to be, I don't know, just does not have very good defensive instincts. I know that Brad Feldman read off some stat that he has a very high dribbling percentage or something great. Um, I don't know. I'm not impressed with Captoom and there's not a whole ton that I love from him. And I know they need to play him there in the central midfield um, out of need. I know the Revs also, you know, we saw on the broadcast that stat that he's started in 20 games and the Revs have won 12 of them and lost two. And, you know, maybe I'm missing something here. But uh, I don't know. It just seemed like there were a lot of plays where Wilford Captain was the weak link. Yeah, and the one that stuck out to me, I think, was late in the game when the Revolution were trying to clear the box and he just you know, toad-poked it right to somebody on DC in the box, creating a great chance for DC. But overall, I'm completely in agreement with you. Defensively, he's just too much of a liability, and I don't think he provides enough on offense to make up for it. You mentioned the dribbling stat. I think the highlight of the game today for him was that one nutmeg he had that they showed a couple times in the broadcast. But... Um, you know, other than that, he had you know, three shots in this game that I think were all not nearly as effective as his great shot against Orlando um, and aren't ones for the highlight reel. Uh, but defensively, it just was a very weak performance from him. And we've seen a lot of those this year. So if, if he's not providing much on offense, I think he's you know way too much of a liability on defense to be out there. So I, I don't I don't see it either. And I'm still going to be surprised even if he's, you know, he's getting more minutes lately. But I'd be very surprised if he's part of the team next year. I mean, he is, he went 50% on duels. He was four for eight. He was 44 for 46 passing. He had a nice nutmeg. I feel like we should say nice things about him, but there are just three or four plays where he's a little slow or someone just gets around him way, way, way too easy, or he's not covering the right space. And I don't know. It's very frustrating to watch um, when you see kind of a nice little thing or a nice flash from Captoom. But when you watch him over 90 minutes, if you're really paying attention to him, it's not very impressive. Um, also, well, he, want... he went he went four for eight on ground duels and zero for three on aerial duels. Mm. He's no Brandon by. <laughs> I do also just want to talk about Justin Rennix because we talked about Justin Hustle last week. Missed that back heel. Didn't have a great header. I thought he had more chances uh, for shots today. He had two shots. Those were his two shots in the game. Um, didn't think this was his best game. Still showed a lot of heart. Still showed a lot of hustle. Um, three for seven on ground duels. Two for four on aerial duels. Um, he, he's also got a pretty impossible task to, you know, when you have really no offensive firepower or limited offensive firepower, um, you know, being the sole striker, uh, and, and trying to just hunt down long balls. But today it seemed like they did have a lot of decent offensive chances and he still couldn't find the rhythm and he still couldn't find the back of the net. So, um, wasn't impressed with Renix today. I think this was a decent chance against a weaker DC team to kind of break out, kind of make, you know, get a goal for his confidence. Um, and I was pretty let down by his performance as well. Yeah. I mean, you can never question his effort. It certainly was there. He did a lot of running and, um, you know, was it, was a pass to the defense when he pressured them when they had the ball and made it hard for them to play out of the back. But, at the, at the end of the day, you want your striker scoring goals, and he had a couple of good chances in this game that he should have done better with. So, um, you know, at, at some point, he's going to start scoring if he's going to be the Revs' lone striker. They have no other options right now, and you know, he's he's been effective enough to not hurt the team. But uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a particularly impressive from uh, Justin Renex in the in the shots category. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, the, I think the three players we listed though: Cap, Rivera, 
um, Renix were really the only three players that I think I wasn't totally in love with tonight. I think everyone else on the field did amazing. I don't want to get too, you know, we, you know, we talked about the back line being incredible last week. Um, but yeah, pretty much everyone else on the field I thought was phenomenal. Even Captoom had his moments, as I say. So, um, yeah, pretty good, strong effort all the way around. Uh, I don't want to come across too negative, uh, but, uh, yeah, a couple of performances from the younger guys in Rivera and Renix that I thought we, you know, would have been nice to have a little bit better performances. Tonight. I just want to add one thing to cap to him because, you know, we, we hear a lot that he's not being from some people that maybe he's not played in the right position or he's more of a, he should be, he should be in Carly's heels position. He should be an attacking mid. It, it, he's played 15 games. I think started 12 this season. His expected assist total over all of them is 0.25. So he's not he's not exactly creating a lot. He's got two key passes over the entire season. Um, so I, again, if he's if he's not getting it done defensively, I don't I don't think there's enough on offense, despite his great goal last week. Um, you know, to 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 justify his salary in the minutes that he's getting, except for the fact that the Revolution are really short in depth right now. Yeah, on half a million dollar salary, um, I, I don't think you can really justify that spending. But what you can justify spending money on is the merchandise at Glasso Kits. Glasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have Revs merch. They have Spurs merch. They have merch for your favorite team, home, or abroad. They still have that Boston City FC kit that is still available for $25 before the Revs recap discount code, which saves you 15% off. So go to GolassoKits.com. You'll find something that you love. And when you find something that you love, save another 15% off the tag price uh, when you use discount code Revs recap at checkout. Again, GolassoKits.com. Make sure you're following them on Twitter and on Instagram for their unboxing videos every single week. So you're the first to know what is new to their store. And again, promo code Revs recap to save 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Let's get to some listener questions here, Sean. James Downing. For, we we got to talk about the one of the new Revs players that made their team debut, uh, Christian McCoon. Uh, James Downing asks for our thoughts on him, and Porter on Twitter also says, what are our thoughts uh, on McCoon specifically as a defensive midfielder? I mean, I thought he looked good in this game. Um, very limited minutes. He came out in the 78th minute. I'm not going to draw too many conclusions from it, but, um, you know, one notable play that stood out to me was he connected well with Dewan Jones and helped spring him down the left flank at one point um, late in the game. So he, you know, he fit in right away, 100% passing accuracy. Again, very, very limited on attempts. Um, but yeah, for the what 16 minutes, if you count stoppage time that he played, I, I thought he looked good and fit in. Um, you know, whether that translates to him being a guy that can start at defensive midfield, I, I'm not ready to to make that that leap. Um, but you know, the revs have a very busy week coming up with, you know, midweek game. And I think we're going to see more of them. Um, my guess is perhaps more at center back than, than defensive mid, but, um, you know, depending on how long Polster's out, maybe he'll be forced into that position. So early, early signs good, but too soon for me to, to draw too many conclusions. Didn't I bet you that I owed you a beer if we saw him at defensive midfield or you, you bet me that, right? I think you owe me a beer. If we're counting a 16-minute performance, I suppose they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he was 8 for 8 on passes, 9 touches. Again, not a whole lot you can bring a lot from, but I think he provides a versatile defensive piece. And I did also think it was interesting. He's wearing number 6, brought in kind of as the closer here. Shades of Scott Caldwell. What, was he the closer, or was Omar Gonzalez playing the last three minutes the closer? <laughs> uh, Omar Gonzalez is kind of Eric Gagne-level closer. I think we need uh, an upgrade in that department, so... 
James, oh, actually, let's get to Porter's questions. Porter's questions too. Uh, he says, "Would the Revs have won if Benteke was available for DC? DC's a disaster. I kind of already talked about that a little bit. I don't know if he would have. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a one goal game. Uh, maybe Benteke and Gressel uh, would have made it, you know, increase their odds a little bit. Um, but I, I thought the Revs were just the better team overall. So I, I don't know how much Benteke would have added since he's kind of not with the squad. Uh, he's still kind of working his way in." Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a team that's in transition, and so uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that would have been the difference. A, a healthy 100% fit Ben Teke, which maybe we'll see in a month, um, I think that could have been the difference between a you know one nothing win and a 1-1 draw because, again, it was a very fine margin in the score in this one. So when you add a guy that of his quality, I, I mean, of course, it could have he could have scored a goal and made it 1-1 because DC did have some chances. Porter also says, where do we realistically see the Revs finishing in the East? I I think sixth. I think that's a fair estimate at this stage. I think this was a much needed three points. We've talked about what the Revs need to get uh, throughout the remainder of the season. And this was my games I had circled as a must win three pointer. And they checked off this box. I still think they are kind of a road game playoff team where they're going to kind of finish in that four to seven range. Um, I haven't checked the updated MLS standings. Uh, in terms of where they stand, and it'll probably be very different when this is posted. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think sixth is probably where I see them landing right about now. Yeah, I mean, the, the current standings I have in front of me, the Revs are still outside of the playoff picture, um, tied on points with Orlando and Miami, but because of the, the first tiebreaker being wins, which I still think is weird, um, the Revolution, uh, you know, and they have a game in hand as well, the Revs are in eighth and not in a playoff spot. Um, w- with that said, you know, there was a nice result for the Revs today. I, I, if you want the Revolution to, to get a home playoff game and that New York lost to Orlando, um, I think at home, the Red Bulls lost at home to Orlando. So the Red Bulls now are only four points ahead of the Revs. Um, in that last kind of you know home game playoff spot um, with the Revs having a game in hand. And they haven't been playing well lately, the Red Bulls. So, uh, you know, realistically, I think fifth or sixth is probably where the Revs land. But I, I'm more confident that the Revolution at least have a chance at challenging for that last home playoff spot um, right now than I was, you know, a week ago because New York is not looking good and New York had a, a bad loss um, at home against Orlando this week. I really don't think outside of Philadelphia, none of these teams in the East scare me. Am I wrong on that? Is there some team I'm sleeping on? I mean, New York City FC before Cassianos left, I think was was a scary team, but now they're a lot less scary. And Montreal's been playing really well. Um, maybe we'll change our mind after the Revs play them this week. But I, I agree with you. Philadelphia, um, again, looks like by far the best team in the East. And other than that, I, I, there's not too many teams that should scare the Revs. Uh, even without Cassianos, though, if the Revolution have to go on the road and play at Yankee Stadium against New York City FC, I think we we wouldn't feel particularly good about that one, uh, given, given how they've looked there. Yes, especially if it's an afternoon game. That apparently has a, a very big effect. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think, I think Seth pointed out they've lost two out of their last 15 games or something like that. So I guess it's two out of their last 16 games. And those two losses were on the road at Philadelphia, on the road at New York City FC. So none of these teams in the East particularly scare me. And and the Revs don't lose a lot of games. You know, they don't win a lot of games. They don't lose a lot of games, too. So I don't know. This is, this is a very weird season. It's been a frustrating season. But 
I think I said a few episodes ago, there's a high variance of this team could really shock some teams and go on the road and win three or four games and make a make a decent cup run, or they could miss the playoffs altogether. Uh, and I think that still kind of stands true. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this team comes together and if the team can get healthy, um, or if TFC blows by them and they drop some, some points here or there and are on the outside looking in. I, I could see it going either way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But at the end of the day, I think unless unless the Revolution can get healthy up top, um, no matter where they land kind of in the playoff picture, they're not going to go very far unless, you know, Gustavo Bo and, and Giacomo Rioni are actually healthy for the playoffs. James Downing also asks us of all the Youth Academy products tonight, who looked the best? Uh, I, I vote Noel Buck. Do you want to talk about Noel Buck or do you have someone else in mind? I think we already talked about kind of Renix and Rivera as players that disappointed a bit. Uh, so I think no buck is the, the easy choice there. Um, he should have had his, his first career assist. If Carlos Hill hadn't hit the post um, really unlucky not to. And I think uh, Carlos Hill needs to get him a present to make up for that one. <laughs> that was, that was pretty bad. Um, and then he made that great run um, for the other chance that you mentioned that, you know, he didn't, he couldn't get the shot on frame uh, under pressure and the ball was a little bit behind him, but you know, he could have had his first goal and he should have had his first assist. So I, I was really impressed with him and I don't think he was playing in his preferred position. I think he likes to play more centrally, but um, like you said with Rivera, but he was, you know, came in for Rivera and at least started off on the wing. Um, and I, at the very beginning of his appearance, I don't think he looked completely comfortable out there. Cause again, that's not his preferred position, but, um, by the end of the match, I thought he'd found his way into the game and, and looked really good. And hopefully we'll get more minutes going forward. I, I was surprised that, um, he got 30 minutes in his debut. Not, not just two on that long pass. Not, not only was the pass incredible, but I thought the way he controlled the ball, cause it was kind of up in the air. I mean, that's a ball that. I don't know if Wilfred Capdum is controlling it as well, but he controlled the ball and he kind of instinctively knew where he was going. He almost anticipated, you know, the second he controlled it, he knew exactly where to put that ball for Carlos Hill. That was a pretty perfect pass uh, from Buck uh, and some really great composure there. So uh, really impressed with kind of the vision and the anticipation on that play as well. Again, 27 minutes, so I don't want to jump completely out of my shoes over here, but I think that's about as good as of a, of a debut as you could ask for. Um, except for if he had actually scored or had gotten an assist. So let me pose this to you, Sean. Were you surprised and or disappointed we did not see Esmir come into this game tonight? I, I honestly thought it was quite likely we weren't going to see either of them, so I was just happy to see Noel Buck. I mean, Esmer's only been eligible to play for the first team for, what, two games now? Is the second game he was eligible. Um, it was great to see him on the bench. I would have liked to see him come into the game, but I think you know, given the way the game played out and the Revolution only had a one-goal lead, I'm not too surprised because he's definitely more of a kind of offensive sub um, that we would have seen from the Revolution maybe if they were down a goal or you know zero zero and they were looking to to add something some offensive spark. So I'm I'm not surprised we didn't see him. Um, I do hope we see him this season, but I'm personally just glad that Noel Buck got some minutes. Uh, Ready Swan says, even if it's against DCU, are the minutes valuable for our depth players during this stretch of of injuries? And he specifically mentions the debuts. Uh, he asks if this will help us later this season, or does it help us more in later seasons? I think as far as no buck, it's probably more about you know, later seasons. Um, it, you know, it, I guess a lot of the guys that were playing, Justin Rennicks, um, maybe it helps you this season if he has to continue playing because Gustavo Bo and, and Rioni are out. Um, you know, it was good to get McCoon out there and get some minutes and he, he needed some minutes for his debut. That was good. Um, building some chemistry that, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that getting Wilford Captoom a start here is going to necessarily help you later this season. 
it's it's, it's it's a tough question for the for young guys like Buck. I think it's help for the future and for you know some of the other guys. It's kind of depends on what the Revolution need as the season goes on with injuries. But you know if you get to the playoffs and these same guys are injured, then absolutely it helps that these guys got more minutes. Uh, I also want to just note that Andy from Revs Nation uh, also wanted our thoughts on Noel Buck, uh, and same with uh, Always Way Days. They both noted that uh, he looked very good tonight uh, and wanted. Uh, our thoughts on their debut. So thank you for uh, those questions. Andy from Revs Nation also says, do the Revs need strikers? Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Uh, you know, the Revs do have a spot and an inter- international spot. We'll talk about Arnold Tristan leaving uh, later on in the program. Uh, but uh, Sean, do you think there is a need for the Revs to go out, maybe add an additional striker? Uh, the transfer window is closed, but they can still add players on a free transfer that are free agents. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the extent of, you know, Gustavo Bo's injury. We've heard for a few weeks that he was going to come back and then he hasn't. Um, so and, you know, Giacomo Vrioni, it sounds like his they said his injury is minor. Um, but again, don't know really the extent of that. So you know, if if I knew that both of those guys or even one of those guys was going to be out for the foreseeable future, I think it would make sense to go out there and get another striker. Uh, there was a guy that scored a goal for Puebla last night. Uh, or Friday night. So there's, you know, used to be on the revs, I heard. So I do think the revolution could use a, another striker right now. If those guys injuries are you know more serious than we know, um, it's just hard to say without the transparency on the injuries. Uh, James Downing did want our thoughts on Josie's first goal uh, at Puebla, by the way. You know, it was actually a pretty nice goal. It was some terrible defending. And to see him with you know his lack of speed at this point in his career outrun a guy uh, who tried to outmuscle him, which is not the way you you, know, you get around Josie, um, and a nice finish. But, you know, it, it was probably tough to see that if you're a Revolution fan when, you know, he did nothing for the Revs all season and now the Revs are in a situation where they really could use a striker. Um, and that was what he was brought in for. And now he's scoring for Puebla and the, the Revs are left with Justin Renex and no strikers on the bench. I, I saw that run from Josie and I was like, where's that been all year? My goodness. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a, a bad fit for him. Uh, not to, not to make excuses for him, but I don't know. It seems like he's a little bit more re-energized and that's still good for the revs because you're on the hook for him for two more seasons. So if you can, you know, if he, he boosts his value here and you can sell him or loan him again next season and, and kind of dump some of that salary onto someone else. Um, that's a, that's a positive. So, uh, I'm excited to see it, uh, both in terms of this might help the revs move on from him or, uh, he might be regaining his form, and maybe he'll be a factor for the Revs if he comes back and plays here next season. I can't envision him playing here next season, though. I mean, I I think that some bridges have been burned there, and um, it seems like the Josie Bruce relationship uh, suffered some damage after that New York City FC game. So um, I don't know. Good, I guess. Good for Josie. I do have to say it's it, the defending on that goal was a very interesting choice that the guy tried to run through his back instead of just, you know, go <laughs> instead of just, I would hope he could outrun him and get around him to get the ball. But it was very interesting defensive tack there that I think uh, Josie benefited from. I'm also not sure he wasn't offsides, but you know, what? good to see him put the ball in the back of that. <laughs> we'll give it to him. We'll give it to him. Uh, Brian Flaherty uh, says one of the greatest players in modern history is coaching on the other side. And we only see him at the end when he shook Bruce's hand. Uh, come on now, craft productions. Uh, Brian also says though, what injuries do Vrioni, Bo and Barrero have? Barrero, I believe is nursing a hamstring injury that is, was suffered in the Philly game. I believe Bo also the Philly game was the last time we saw him, uh, but he didn't come off 
I'm not sure what's going on with Bo, and this seems to be a recurring thing. Um, he's effective when he's out there, but that hasn't been a ton this season. And Bruce said that he expected Bo and Barrero, I believe, for the Orlando game. So we're a little two weeks behind on that. Um, not loving that. Brioni, I believe, they said on the broadcast, Brad Feldman said that uh, it was a um, precautionary holdback. I'm surprised Vrioni was not available for selection considering the lack of offensive options uh, on the bench. Um, but uh, I don't think that's going to be a major injury, but who knows? Bruce Arena and injuries always seems to be a bigger deal than what's initially led on to be. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to, to those injuries, but it is it is frustrating to not have more transparency into those because uh, you know from the comments we'd gotten in the past, we thought Bowen Barrero would have been back by now. Yep. I don't know if there's he feels it's a competitive advantage or what, um, but yeah, I don't know. I I know I know we've made this comp before, and I think you've made it. But you know, as as the league gets more involved in you know gambling partners, you, you'd think there'd be more value on having accurate injury reports. Yeah, and and the fact that this is you know we did this with Heal and we did this with Turner, and now we're doing it with Bo slash Barrero slash Rioni. I don't understand why. Bruce Arena cannot just come out and say he's missing two to three weeks. Why are we doing the week to week? Yeah, he might play this weekend. We will see. We're day to day. We're day to day for three consecutive weeks. I don't understand why we're doing this. And I don't know if Bruce has figured out that if he just says a two to four week time period, people will stop asking him every week if Bo is playing this week. But I don't know. Yeah, the, the combo, the combo of that, and then the not wanting to answer questions about the injuries is is very frustrating. It's a leg injury. Okay, what type of leg injury? I don't know. Leg. It says leg on. It says leg on the injury report. It's like lower body in hockey. It's like well, that's that's a pretty wide range of, of things here. So I don't know. Who who knows how injured Bo is? But w- one thing we should note though, it was good to see John Bell back on the bench because he he was out with a head injury for a few games, and that's always worrying. So it was it was very good to see him back on the bench because I think. I think there's a good chance the Rebels are going to need him in this upcoming stretch when they, you know, have midweek games. Oh, I know what I was going to say here. Are you surprised we did not see Ryan Spaulding play as kind of a winger coming off of the bench? Ryan Spaulding plays winger sometimes for Revs too. Are we surprised that this was not an opportunity to kind of see what he could do as maybe a substitute for Ima Boateng or Rivera or some something like that? I thought that maybe we'd see him there in that type of role. I would have much, much, much rather seen Ryan Spaulding come on for Ima Boateng than Omar Gonzalez and maybe come on 10 minutes sooner um, than Omar Gonzalez did. I absolutely am not a fan of bringing on that fifth center back, especially when that or that third center back, especially when that third center back is Omar Gonzalez um, to try to close out a game late and having to reorganize our entire defense. If you could have brought on a more defensive winger um, to help you know, lock down the wings late and bring on Ryan Spaulding for Ima Boateng, that would have made so much more sense to me. Um, so no, I, I'm not surprised we didn't see him in this game, but I would have liked to have seen him um, as Ima Boateng got tired late. And that to me would have been a much more sensical sub than bring on Omar. I, I should have read the next comment before I asked that question because Tim uh, on Twitter basically says the same thing. Frustrating end of game strategy with Heal as a false nine and no other strikers. That leaves McNamara as the player making late runs. Question mark makes no sense to me. Plus, Omar is getting minutes again while we are protecting a one goal lead. Why Bruce Why yells at Cloud? Um, I think that kind of seconds everything you just said there. So I don't know if we need to add on anything onto that. Well, the, but the only thing I'll add is I do think that you know Justin Rennick's 
for you know we talk a lot about him but for for all of his you know faults in the scoring end I do think that he puts in you can't question his effort and I do think he was probably a little bit tired late in the game and that might have played a role in why that substitution was made but I, I didn't love it either and I would have liked to have seen the revolution have another striker on the bench you know I I actually thought the revs started attacking better shortly before those subs were made I think they can't start the second half not necessarily the best um, but it kind of found their way into the game and we're starting to attack better and look better offensively uh, and then Bruce kind of just pulled the wheels out and decided to go defensive. They still created some chances up until, you know, maybe the Omar sub, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't love playing with just with no striker and having, having Carlos as, as a false nine late in the game. Yep. Yep. I don't, I don't think I have too much to add to that one. Uh, Apollo says commitment to team defending the last few games have been impressive Four straight goose eggs would have been unimaginable a couple months back. I agree a hundred percent. I don't know if we want to, Go into talking about the back line again. I, I feel like we talked about them a lot last week. I think everyone kind of that has been watching this team knows that they've been solid. Henry Kessler, I think, is playing better than he ha- ever has uh, for the Revs. Andrew Farrell has found some really solid form. We already talked about by and Dewan Jones. Um, they've been pretty solid defensively. There were a few nervous moments. I think the worst kind of moment of the night was... Dewan Jones kind of had a chip pass back to, I guess it was to Kessler. It ended up being a turnover, and thankfully DC United didn't make anything of it. There was also a turnover in the midfield. I don't know what minute it was at. I don't have my notes uh, up right now. Uh, But there was a turnover that I think DC could have kind of picked up the ball a little bit quicker and, you know, might have gotten a chance in the box, but they ended up kind of just turning the ball over at midfield. They were kind of slow to transition. So, you know, I don't think they were perfect tonight. Uh, but I thought they were pretty solid, and they didn't give DC United anything too, too easy. So, um, yeah, really solid team defending. Yeah, only two things to add on Kessler. I think we talked about last week that he had pretty much a flawless performance. I think his, he was less flawless in this game. There were a couple of uh, turnovers from him that were less than ideal um, that led to DC chances. Um, and then Farrell, you know, I don't think we've mentioned yet that you, we talked about that Renex backhill where he missed a great chance. But I think Farrell probably would add a secondary assist on that because he had a fantastic long ball um, from just outside the Revs box to Ima Boateng to spring him down the wing to, to set up that that chance. So give him credit for that. That was a great vision by him to, to pick up Boateng on the wing. And he had a couple of nice long balls to, to kind of pick out and start attacks. Yeah, here are my complaints. 35th minute, Farrell and Tommy McNamara, there's kind of a bad pass. DC kind of stumbles in countering. And then Tommy McNamara ends up uh, disrupting the play leads to a cross where it w- that leads to a header off of target. Um, there was a nice combination down the right side, which led to the Ola Kamara uh, wide open shot at the be- up at the top of the box, which I thought was probably the best chance of the night for DC United. Um, Petrovic made the save to his right, not the best shot uh, in the world. And then there was also the play where it was just kind of a mess in the box. I think Tommy McNamara and whoever had the ball for DC United just kind of were on the ground and the Revs just kind of chipped away and then Cap <laughs> Cap Doom struggled to clear the ball. He kind of just kicked it straight to a, a, a DC United player who, who ended shooting it back in and Petrovic saved it and tipped it wide. Um, those were kind of the lowlights of this game. Outside of that, I thought everything was pretty solid. Um, not, not a ton of complaints defensively. Four straight shutouts. I don't know. Really, really solid defense and you couldn't have told me a month ago that we were going to have four straight clean sheets uh, from this team. Well, I don't think we've talked about Petrovic enough this episode. I think, I think we started off and didn't want to talk too much about him because we talked about him a lot. But, you know, he, he did bail out the defense a couple of times. He had a fantastic game 
yet again um, and really is making the case that he's a better shot stopper than even Matt Turner. Incredible. Incredible performance. Tyler O'Brien, by the way, at what point does the back line have to buy Petrovic donuts instead of the other way around? I, I think that's a very, very good point. I think Captain should bring the donuts next week, in my opinion. <laughs> Anything to add on that one, Sean, or can I move on to the next question? No, I think we can go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Teal Forever, another great, great go- game for Jones. How much longer before he goes to Europe? Related, is there any way the Revs can keep more of these players? I'm happy to see them succeed, but I feel like we need a long-term plan to keep young talent. And the, this is referencing the rumor mill. I don't know the team, the team off the top of my head, but a team in Belgium is linked to Dewan Jones. Uh, and Dewan Jones... We've talked about it a little bit before that, you know, he might be interested in maybe moving and increasing his chances to make the World Cup squad, which I think might be a little too late for that. But um, nonetheless, it might be a upgrade for career move for Dewan Jones. Um, how much longer until he moves over to Europe, Sean? Yeah, and I think I think the rumored team was Anderlecht in um, Belgium that was interested in Dewan Jones. They just sold their left back. I think to Man, I want to say to Man City. I might be botching that, um, but uh, so they're in need of a left back. I, I, for from a Revolution perspective, um, I think they need to avoid selling Dewan Jones right now. You know, if he wants to go in the off season, fine. Um, but I think they need to avoid selling him. It's, if they want to have any success this season, you know, you can't get rid of Dewan Jones after the transfer window is closed and put yourself in a position where you, you know, your backup left back is not, not a knock on Ryan Spaulding, but he's not ready to take over for Dewan Jones yet. So, um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the revolution would make the right call here. And unless the offer is just something stunning, that's too good for them to refuse. They would, you know, hold on to Juan Jones, but, um, the revs have been very accommodating of their players and where they want to go. We saw it this window. We've seen that in past windows. If an offer comes in for a guy and they want to go, the revs have made it happen. But at some point you got to look out for the team too. And the revolution cannot afford to replace Dewan Jones right now with the transfer window closed. Um, and the, the Anderlecht move, I think would be a move right now. I don't think there's any way they're waiting to the winter window because they're a team that competes for the championship in Belgium and now desperately needs a left back to replace the one they sold. So they're not looking for a move that takes place in January. They're looking for a move now. Um, so again, unless that offer blows the revs away, I think they need to, uh, you know, turn it down um, because they can't afford to lose Dewan Jones right now. But uh, whether that's what they do, I, I don't know. Um, but just, just my take kind of on the, the Jones transfer rumors. Long term, is there a way for the Revs to keep uh, more of these players? Or do we think that this is just the way of the world? The Revs are going to develop talent and be a selling team and sell for profit and just kind of restart the cycle all over again? Um, do, you, do you think that's how it's going to be? Or, or do you think that the Revs are going to have to change course and eventually try to lock up their young talent to keep them in Foxborough forever? I think there is a way to keep some of these guys. Um, you know, a lot of these guys want to go over to Europe and there's you know, no way to stop it. But, you know, what if you offered Dewan Jones Wilfred Captoom's salary to stay here? Would he stay? Uh, maybe. I don't know. And I think that's kind of the approach you have to go with some of these some of these guys. You know, with Adam Buxa is a different story. A guy that comes over from Europe, making a lot of money and wants to get back to Europe in a, in a better situation. Um, you know, there's always moves like that, but if it's a guy going over to, to Belgium, which is, you know, a good league, but not maybe as much of an upgrade as going to the Premier League or something, you know, is there a salary number where the revolution could convince them, you know, Hey, you're better off staying. And, you know, maybe instead of giving too much money to some of these international players that aren't panning out, giving that money to the players you already have here that, you know, are really good, uh, to keep them here is the way to go. But I think in general, 
um, long term, the Revolution have, are, are a selling team, and they've done good at developing some young players. And um, I think we can expect to continue to see, um, as long as the Revolution are performing well, that their best players are going to get interest from overseas, and the Revolution are inevitably going to end up selling a lot of their best players. Let's get to some news and notes. Thank you to everyone who sent in the questions today. Um, we do have some news here. Arnold Tristison uh, agreed to mutually terminate the remainder of his contract. We talked about the Revs looking to move him, maybe get a transfer fee. They end up not getting a transfer fee. And Arnor signs with Norrköping, who I believe is in Norway or Sweden. I don't know. I confuse the two countries all of the time, but it's one of those countries. I Sean, believe it's Sweden. Sweden. Let's go with that. Uh, Sean, any reaction to the Arnor news? Yeah, I mean, I think we knew it was coming. Um, but my reaction is I'm surprised that they didn't get something for him. Um, I, his contract was up in six months or you know less than six months at the end of the season. So he was going to be able to leave on a free transfer. And I think that was definitely going to happen. Uh, but you know, if you look at the revolution right now with the guys that they've lost, getting rid of you know Sebastian Lejet, not really replacing him. Um, they, they need help in central midfield and Arnold Tristison had proven that he could be at least effective in that role. Um, so to get nothing for him to not have a replacement lineup, at least as of yet, you know, I think that's a little bit disappointing that I think the revolution today could have used him. Um, and I think there's going to be other games going forward this season where they could have used him. So to get nothing, even a, you know, a token 50,000 or something for letting him go is, is disappointing, but, um, I reserve the right to change my opinion on that. If, if Bruce Arena goes out and brings in a free agent international, that's going to take up his spot, um, and be more effective than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Sebastian Legette too, I believe you mentioned him a minute ago. Also some news came out where FC Dallas, uh, came out through a press conference there that I guess they are quite constrained budget wise this season. So someone asked, how are you affording Sebastian Legette's salary? And it came out that the Rebs are footing the bill for the remainder of this season for Sebastian Legette. The contract for Legette goes through next season, so I am assuming FC Dallas is paying all of that. I assume this is more or less a money dump uh, for the Rebs in clearing that salary off the book for 2023. Uh, but to me, this makes that move a lot less appealing. Uh, I talked about this before about how the Rebs really are downgrading, and I think Sebastian Legette did have some really solid moments for this team. Uh, and the fact that they are footing this bill, um, one, it makes that return of $600,000 in GAM look a lot less. Uh, they're, they're probably on the hook for two hundred or $300,000 worth of salary, uh, assuming you know, one-third of his salary there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think maybe this was a B, B-minus move in my book or C, C-plus move. I think this is a pretty solid D move uh, for the Revs, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that makes this move a lot less appealing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that revolution, revelation, Sean? I think he sums it up nicely. It's uh, disappointing to find that out for the, from a Rebs perspective. doesn't give them as much flexibility as they would have thought this season to improve the squad and free agency with you know the, the time they have left there. And we, we talked about it before. Sebastian Legette is, is a good player. He didn't necessarily fit perfectly into what the Revolutions were doing, but um, you know he made the Revolution better when he was out there. And I think the Revolution were a better team with him on the roster. And again, as we're seeing these past couple of games with all the injuries they have, he's the guy they really could use right now. Um, and you know, for for all, all the the knocks on maybe him not being in the right spot, he was always healthy for the Revs for the most part, and that's been a hard thing for some of their new signings. So it's disappointing because they're they're not getting any salary relief this season from him. Um, and you know, 
they're they're not gonna have much room to replace him and now they're they're missing out on him for the rest of the season and uh it's just a question do you think the revolution could have gotten him gotten rid of him in the offseason for 600,000 in gam um and maybe not maybe they could have taken a little bit less but it doesn't make the revs better this season that's for sure it's, it's definitely one of those moves that to me kind of shows the focus is more in 2023 at this point since we're talking about Arnor too, it opens up an international roster spot. Um, that's a very valuable spot. They obviously didn't trade that international roster spot. So some people are wondering if part of the motivation to move him is to clear up that spot for someone else. And an interesting name showed up at training this week for the revolution as some cameras caught Carlos Hill's brother, Nacho Hill, training with the team. Uh, so some people are speculating whether or not this is the signing that the Revs are going to be making. He is a winger. He last played for, hang on, I have it right here, a La Liga 2 team, FC Cartanega. Uh, Carlos Hill also came from La Liga 2 at the time uh, when, when the Revs signed him. So maybe that's a good omen. But ultimately, I don't think this is the signing that I was expecting the Revs to go out and make. Uh, what are your thoughts on Nacho Hill training with the team? And if the Revs are interested, do you think that this is the move to make? Yeah, I mean, him training with the team isn't surprising. He's been without a club for a while. Carles is here. It's not uncommon that a guy would you know, train for a team to stay fit while he's looking for another club. Um, so that, that doesn't surprise me, and I don't necessarily read that much into it, uh, except for the fact that the Revolution have um, an open international slot now, as you say, and don't have that much money to spend with it and can only sign free agents. So... Um, hypothetically, if the Revs sign Nacho Hill, I think it's an underwhelming signing. Um, and I, I don't think it necessarily makes the Revs, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a, a signing that kind of changes the Revs trajectory this se- season. If I was the revolution to sign Nacho Hill, I think I would sign him, you know, through the rest of this year with maybe a club option for next season, because he hasn't been good in a couple se- a couple of years. And that's the reason there's not much interest in him. If you read kind of reports about, um, you know, the guys in Spain that remain free agents, the, the the talk about him is that he hasn't been very good, and that's why you know teams aren't interested in him this off season. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, don't read too much into him training. But if the Revolution do go ahead and sign him, I would hope it's a short term thing, and that Bruce isn't committing a lot of guaranteed money because he hasn't been good in a couple of years, and the Revolution uh, need to get more out of their international roster spots than they've been getting from some of them. And I, I'm just not sure that this this move does it. So, if to me under underwhelming, if that's the signing. I, I think one thing important to point out, too, is if they sign him for the rest of the season with an option for next year, I don't think I care. I don't want to say I, I, I don't care, but um, it doesn't bother me too much. It's kind of more of a let's just add a body. Let's add another winger because um, we're, we're probably going to go to a four two three one, or we could use some more wingers and maybe it, you know, will please Carles, you know, and, and make him a little bit happier if you bring him in. I think this is if they sign him to a two-year contract, then you're committing an international roster spot. That's a little bit concerning. So, um, again, you're right. Let's not jump the gun. Let's put away the jump to conclusions, Matt, and say that this might just be a trial. This might just be training since he is without a club. Um, But, you know, uh, I don't know. They certainly are probably going to use that international spot somehow. So I, I wouldn't totally be shocked if they give him an you know, six month contract through the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a winger that had one goal and zero assists in Spain's second division last year, over 21 games, which is just not, not numbers that make you super excited. And and yes, Carly's heel maybe didn't have the best seasons right before coming to the revs, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, 
if it's a you know a, sign him through the rest of the season and have the option to continue to keep him or move on, then I, it doesn't bother me. But I, I wouldn't want to commit long term to him, kind of given his recent less than impressive uh, record in Spain. It was a nice goal though, Sean. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, that one, that one goal he had was so impressive. Uh, I just want to point out another stat here too, while we're talking about how great Petrovic and this defense has been. Uh, Dan Shulman uh, of the Revscom department just tweeted out that the Revs have gone 371 minutes without conceding a goal. That is the third longest streak in club history. Uh, 384 minutes in 2005 and 420 minutes in 2013 are the only longer streaks. So I believe if the Rev go if the Revs go 50 minutes without conceding in their next game, which is against Toronto on the road, correct? Um, that's a tough ask. Uh, Toronto is looking pretty good, uh, but if they go 50 minutes, they've set a new club record. So um, keep an eye on on that. That that is a tough ask in Toronto, but it would be something to keep an eye on. Sean, any news or notes before we wrap up here today? No, I just think this is going to be a very kind of decisive week from a Revolution's perspective. They had you know, two wins in a row where they've been right on the edge of the playoffs and still have not worked their way into a playoff spot. So there is work still for them to do. And this is a very difficult stretch with them in Toronto, in Montreal, in a very short period. Uh, we'll tell you a lot about just how far the Revolution have come. Um, but I, I'm not convinced that if they don't get some of those guys back that have been missing these past two games, the, the good luck and good performances will continue in Toronto. Uh, I just have a couple of notes I want to note here. Um, Bruce Arena has reached 100 games uh, for the Revolution, regular season games, I should say, with the Revolution. So that is a interesting, uh, I don't know, milestone. It seems like he's been here forever at this stage. But I believe, too, we were talking in the pre-show, he has the highest win percentage for any Revs coach. Is that what you said? Yes. Higher than Steve Nichol. Higher than Steve Nichol. So um, that's pretty impressive there. Uh, also, I wanted to point out that the USA amputee soccer team, uh, which we've talked about before, and we had uh, the captain, uh, Nico Calabria, uh, on the show earlier this year. Uh, you can go back and listen to that interview, please. Uh, as they prep for the World Cup, they are selling some merch uh, leading into, as I say, the World Cup for some fundraising. So um, go to their Facebook page, which you should like anyway. Uh, I know there's a link there for shirts, pants, Shorts, etc., etc., fleeces, sweatshirts, etc., etc. So, uh, if you want to go support them uh, and not just donate, but get something back in return, get some swag, uh, go check out the sale that they are doing. I believe that they are taking orders through August 17th. So, if you're listening to this in the early part of the week, uh, you don't have much time. And if you're listening to this in the later part of the week, like a weirdo, uh, you probably missed it already. So, tough luck. Sean, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue. And you can find us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. You can also find us on our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Please make sure to follow us there. Uh, also, be sure to follow our friends, The Bent Musket, on Twitter at The Bent Musket and follow their work online at www.thebentmusket.com. Also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can get involved with supporter culture. And of course, be sure to check out our sponsor Galasso kits and use our promo code revs recap for 15% off of our order. Make sure you are subscribed to iTunes, wherever you're listening. And if you could please rate and review us five stars, it helps people looking for revolution content. Find us. Also, we got another review this week 
Third week in a row, we got a review. So if you haven't left a review yet, let's make it four reviews in a row. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much to DJ Zero. I'm just going to call you DJ. I'm not going to list off five different numbers. Uh, But thank you to DJ for the five-star review. And also, Sean, I missed a very big opportunity last week. uh, Because as you remember, I did not have the name of who gave me the review. And you gave it to me in the moment. And the second we got off the air, I realized that Mr. F, who uh, left us a review, I could have made so many bad Mr. T jokes. Could have been like Mr. F, friend of Mr. T, uh, and made some sort of really, really horrible joke of I pity the fool who doesn't leave us a five-star review on iTunes. So I didn't. I missed very big missed opportunity for me on that end. Well, I'm glad you circled back to it so you could make it today. <laughs> Please make sure you give us a five-star review. Yeah, and that's it. We're going to be back with the Twitter Spaces episode on Wednesday, so if you are on Twitter, make sure you are following us uh, and make sure you're available Wednesday night after the Toronto game. It'll be me and Chris. We'll be taking your questions. We'll be talking about the game. Hopefully, we're talking about another win. Hopefully, we're talking about another clean sheet. Uh, So, anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening, and until Wednesday, go Rebs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.